Hey, indie film fans. Welcome to Jen and Sam Make a Movie. It's our podcast about everything indie film related. And today we've got a special treat. Joining Jen and I today is Rod Faulkner. He is the, (laughs) he runs a sci-fi site called The Seventh Matrix, where you can discover new sci-fi worlds. Hey, Rod. Hello, ladies. I am so excited to have you on the show today, Rod, because we've I've been a big fan for a little while and a lot of my fans have been big fans. So it's really great to be able to talk to you because you're a big um, name and representation in short films and sci-fi. So I wanted to start out asking you, how did you get into the short film and sci-fi reviewing just business? Well, you know, I've been a lifelong uh, science fiction and fantasy fan and I'm 47. So that's a long time. (laughs) And several years ago, um, an acquaintance of mine who he had at the time a sci-fi podcast, we would talk on occasion online, and one time we were having a conversation, and he said, you know what, Rod, you always share with me the short films and web series that you discover on YouTube and Vimeo. You Mm. should start a website. And I thought about it, and I said, you know what, that's a good idea. And so I launched the site April of 2013. So this coming April will be four years. And it doesn't seem like it, but it has been a terrific adventure. I have discovered so much great content by so many terrific filmmakers. So it's been a blast. Oh, that's awesome. Congratulations on four years. Yeah, four years. It seems... Go ahead. Go ahead, Jen. I was going to say, by the way, for those of you um, tuning in who haven't checked out the site, it is seventhmatrix.com. Uh, and that's there's all kinds of like reviews and short film and short films that have been gathered up. Um, we'll be we'll give you more information at the end. But so you guys know what we're talking about. You can look at it while you're listening. And I'm actually surprised it's only been been four years. It seems like, you know, you have a lot of great content and a lot of a solid fan base. It seems like oh, it would be like more than four years. I know, but you know, it doesn't seem like it's been four years to me, Um, but it's because I've enjoyed the journey and it's a lot of content because it's a lot of content that's out there and not just content, pretty terrific stuff that's being made. Mm. And, um, you know, every time I think that there can't be any more or there can't be any more fresh ideas, I'm always proven wrong. Mm. So it's, it's very exciting Oh, that's awesome. How um, we, we talk a lot on this podcast specifically about like representation in good content like you're talking about. Um, you had mentioned to me when we were talking a little bit earlier off camera um, that you, ha- you have a you have a what I call an Uhura story. I, would you mind sharing that with the readers? Oh, no, no, no. Um, you know, I've always had an affinity for speculative fiction in all media, whether it be books, whether it be film or television. But growing up in the 70s, they had reruns of the original Star Trek. Yeah, It was canceled in 69, and then they started rerunning it several years later. And so as a child of about six or seven, I used to watch that. And that's when I discovered Nichelle Nichols. And I remember thinking, who is this gorgeous black woman that is on this spaceship? Because Woo! I had never <laughs> seen anything like that before. And so that really kind of catalyzed my love for the genre and what's possible. Because unfortunately, in other genres, and especially at that time, you didn't see very, um, very 
complementary representations mm. of people of color on screen. Mm -hmm. Either we would be a menial or mm -hmm. the women would right. be prostitutes, right? Prostitutes mm -hmm. or the men would be pimps or mm. we would side characters with no agency at all. So mm -hmm. Star Trek really opened my eyes to what's possible and it really was because of Machina. Do you think that just sci-fi as a genre, because it's so future-looking, is more prone to be representation-friendly, or what do you what do you think about that? I think so. I think so. I think the fact that it hasn't has to do with not the genre itself, but the people who are responsible for creating the content. And fortunately, we are now seeing a mm. shift in representation for minority groups and marginalized groups. And it's a long time coming, but it's it's time. Mm. That's right. Absolutely. So can you talk a little bit more also about like, because uh, because some people out there don't understand why representation would be important, right? I, that's why I like the stories that people tell about, like, oh, I saw someone like me on on um, on this on this film, and it meant something to me. Can you talk a little bit for our viewers who may not be so familiar about like why representation is important? Um, just a little bit more about like why it matters so much that we have a diverse group of people showing up on screen. Well, for me personally, my feeling is that the real world is diverse. Mm -hmm. And so media that doesn't reflect that reality isn't really living up to its full potential. Mm. And it also inspires. I mean, when you see a character on screen who looks like you, it excites your imagination. It lets you know what's possible. I'll give you an example. It's not speculative fiction. It's historical um, mm. fact, but hidden figures. Mm -hmm. oh, I yeah. didn't know about those ladies in school in my history class. I had no idea mm. about their contribution to NASA. And so with this movie coming out, little girls, especially little black girls, can see that, you know what, I can get a career in STEM. It is possible for me to pursue this career path. I really can do this because it's already been done. That in a nutshell is why representation for everyone is important. I feel mm. everyone deserves to be centered um, in media, they deserve to be the heroes of their own story. They deserve to see themselves on screen. Yes, I love that. I want to like clap. Absolutely. So I, yeah. so I can't clap. I think it's really great that you bring up um, hidden figures because since we're talking about like science fiction and science in, in representation, um, I think that science fiction. And you can you can comment on this. I think science fiction has a lot to do with where the directions science does end up going. Yes. Right. Absolutely. So I, 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 yeah, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry, Jen. Look at Star Trek. I mean, so much of our technology in Star Trek was, uh, that was shown in Star Trek, rather, has come to fruition. I mean, when you look at the communicators, the mm -hmm. little pads that they had, even the viewer on the bridge, that's a flat screen view screen. Yes. So, yeah, science fiction really can be a fertile ground for the imagination. And honestly, a lot of people in science, in education, in philosophy um, that are fans of the show went into those fields because of their inspiration they drew from the show. So, yeah, it's very important in that way. Yeah. yeah so culture you sound like a culture. Trekkie. That's right. <laughs> you sorry, sound like Samantha. a Trekkie. So. She said, said culture, culture drives, drives culture. culture. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Culture, I, I like that. Culture drives culture. <laughs> you sound like a Trekkie. So Star Trek versus Star Wars, you definitely say Star Trek. 
You know, I love both, but definitely Star Trek just because of all of the societal issues that it touches mm. on. Yeah, it, it really um, resonates with me because of its ability to comment on what's going on. But I love Star Wars, too. That's yeah. something I never Gen- got to ask yeah. you, Sam, actually. It's like, do you like Star Trek or Star Wars better? <laughs> the eternal geek question. <laughs> uh, I don't It's hard to say. I guess... Yeah, probably Star Trek. And it's funny because we were talking about this. I don't know if it was on a podcast or just a private conversation, how um, Jen was basically saying, you know, um, one of her qualms with Star Wars is sort of the la- that lack of representation, right? right? And I never really thought to compare them that way, right? So you have this, I, this, this notion that like somewhere in the future in this crazy galaxy, you know, people are somehow less diverse. Right, right. we're starting. Yeah, you know, like people of color, we just kind of vanish and Everyone right. disappeared. Kind of odd to me. Yeah, it's like where, where are we in this? And honestly, when I see science fiction now that is homogenized, I it mm. really takes me out of the story. I'm at a point now in my life where I really mm. do demand to see diverse and inclusive representation, and when I don't, mm-hmm. it's hard for me to enjoy whatever story that the storyteller is trying to convey because in my mind, I'm mm-hmm. thinking. This is not realistic. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a really good point. It is interesting, though, in Star Wars, I do think that, um, at least in, in later editions, like Lando Calrissian does have more agency than like Ahura ever did, just because she was a woman, I think. I think her being a woman and him being a man did make a difference. So they did have that. Star Wars did have Lando. They did. They, they did <laughs> have him. Um, yeah, and, and um, that was groundbreaking at the time. And the... The most recent installments of the films, I have to admit, they have done um, a better job of Absolutely. Now, I am yeah. waiting for them to have a black woman um, in the series yeah. that has agency that, that really mm-hmm. helps drive the narrative. Now, that's something that they still need to have. I know Lupita was in Force Awakens, but she was kind of... She was a fine alien. Mm-hmm. She yeah. wasn't a black woman. She was an alien. Yeah. 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 And I'm ready for that. You know, so there's still a lot of work to be done, but at least they're addressing that issue. It does seem seem like Star Wars and Star Trek have gone in the opposite directions, right? Because the newest Star Wars is moving more towards representation. The newest Star Trek, like, Uhura really lost a lot of the strength that she had in the older Star Trek, right? Because now in in the new big movies, she's kind of like the girlfriend only, and that's like all she's, and all the decisions she makes are always overridden by some white guy. So I felt like, I don't know, I don't know if you want to comment on that. Maybe you have a different perspective well, on sure. it. Well, um, I'll forward. comment on it in the fact that I read Michelle Nichols' autobiography, Beyond Uhura. It came out years ago. So uh, to all your listeners, if they want to grab a copy, they can probably pick up a, a, a copy extremely cheap, like on eBay or Amazon. Mm. But I encourage everyone to read it. And there was a lot that was going on. Um Gene Roddenberry was kind of problematic, but he was a visionary in terms of the representation he wanted in his cast. Mm. And he cast her for that reason, as well as he Mm. did want a Russian, he did want um, an Asian actor. So that's why they were there. But with Uhura, and as Miss Nichols went to explain in her book, there was a lot of politics behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. A lot of what he wanted to do with her, he actually wanted to write an episode featuring her in command. But at that time, the the powers that be at NBC did not want him to do that. So now did he have to fight that battle, but there was a certain, I'm not going to name names, but you probably can guess who I'm talking about, but there was a certain egotistical star 
that was on the show that kind of <laughs> fit about any changes to the story that didn't really center him each episode. So oh. yeah, it was, they wanted he wanted to do much more with her character, and he just wasn't allowed to do so. I'm yeah. hoping that with Star Trek Discovery, they will address that, and I think that hopefully they will. That would be nice to see because the late, latest movies have not been very pro woman at all. I mean, it might just be because she was a woman. But the their latest big I only saw two of them because I, I gave up and didn't bother to see the third one. So yeah, we need I, to see where they I go. I think I think in the in the third one Ohura sort of comes more into her own. A lot of her decisions are still overridden, but they sort of separate her from everyone else. Yeah. Okay. So it doesn't happen yeah. as much. But so that's I a like good that. observation, Jen. And and a lot of that goes into and and that's a whole nother topic, but um there was some problematic um there, well, how can I put this? I want to be diplomatic about it. Gene Roddenberry was a pioneer. He was visionary, but he was a human being and he had his flaws. And there were mm. some problems inherent with that. I'll just say that. There's a good book out called uh, The First 50 Years of Trek. Um, okay. And, and yeah, if you read that, the gentleman is a scholar in terms of Star Trek. And he goes through with interviews from the cast, the writers, and you really kind of get an overview of what was going on in the creative process in making that show at that time. So if any of your listeners uh, are Trekkies, it's a great must read. And if you're just interested in how television is produced, it's a good read as well. Oh, awesome. You're such a wealth of resources. Yeah. Do you by any awesome. chance also speak Klingon? I don't know. I don't. I'm no. not that much okay. of a trick. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know a lot. <laughs> I actually met the, the man who uh, invented Klingon. He's oh, a linguist. Nice. Nice. Yes, I met him. And he's doing a documentary about invented languages. So that's awesome. Oh, that sounds fascinating. I can't wait for that. Yeah, I, What's I'm a it geek called so I look it up? I don't know. It, they were in post production when I met him. Uh... They can also just Google "man who invented Klingon makes documentary." Yes, or Klingon way. dictionary. You know? Yeah, Klingon <laughs> dictionary because that's a well regarded book. If it's the same gentleman, and I'm sure it is, there's okay, an actual yeah. Klingon dictionary. It's so... called Conlanging the film. Conlanging, <laughs> for those of you who aren't involved in linguistics, is is constructed languages. So it's covers like everything from Klingon to Dothraki to Elvish and all these wonderful people who are making their own languages. Samantha is a professional linguist. So this is like her thing is languages and how they fascinating to me. Wow. Okay, cool. Fun stuff. Oh yeah, definitely it sounds like it. I'll have to check that out. I think it'll be pretty neat. Um so we wanted to, before we closed or anything, ask you for your top five sci-fi films overall and then your top representative sci-fi films. Oh, man, that's hard. Um, <laughs> and, and, you, and you gave me these ahead of time. Okay, let me see my top five all-time favorite sci-fi films. Uh, let's see. The Matrix. That's okay. my all-time favorite. So that would be number one. Star Wars Return of the Jedi, Star Wars Empire Strike Back. Uh, God, okay. A lot of Star Wars on this list. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Alien's so good. Yeah. Alien. 
And uh, Sigourney Reaver was terrific in that. Absolutely. Really, the entire yes. cast was. Well, what blew and, me away with her is that she, it was originally written for a man. That's why yes. she's such a good character, because cause people write men very well. Yes. And, you know, that also proves, too, and I'm sure that you all have heard this, that, oh, well, you know, women can't really carry an action film. This was a film made in 1979. Yeah. That was a oh, huge, yeah, it's older. So give me a break, you know. Um, <laughs> okay, now my fifth one, I'm going to have to name two, have an unofficial sixth one, but I would say Terminator <laughs> 2. And I'm going to tell you why Terminator 2. Because of Linda Hamilton. Her transformation, if you've never seen the first Terminator, but the way her character was in the first Terminator 2, the transformation that she went through was just mm-hmm. breathtaking. She should have been nominated for an Oscar. I really do believe that. It was so riveting. And really, she, in my mind, was the true star of that whole movie. Because it was about her journey. Yeah, it had Arnold Schwarzenegger there, and he was the biggest star in the world. But if her portrayal wasn't as riveting as it was, that Mm -hmm. movie fell apart. It just would have been a huge action film. And her Mm -hmm. performance helped elevate that movie above that. So, yeah, I'll have to say Terminator 2 because of Linda Hamilton. And then my sixth one, and I know... Well, I think that's a good point. (laughs) No, Um, go ahead. I'll I'll, I'll interrupt real quick before you drop number six. Uh, It's an amazing point that she goes from being so helpless to being this, like, strong character because she's the person we're really following. Like, she is our everyman character. Right. None of us can be Arnold Schwarzenegger, but we could all make (laughs) her. (laughs) Yeah, we can all be Linda Hamilton. So she was really relatable, but it was just an amazing performance. And then um, number six is uh, Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. I I had to get that in there somewhere because of (laughs) Ricardo Montalban. Everything about that movie, the score, the effects, the franchise really solidified and found its footing with Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. And I still think it ranks as one of the best in that franchise. And you think it was better than the new remake? Um, yeah, I, yeah. I would. I enjoyed the first J.J. Abrams Star Trek, but you know, he even said publicly that he didn't, he wasn't a fan of Star Trek, and you can kind of tell by oh, the way it was made, and yeah. it really showed mm-hmm. in the sequels. Now, I will say, um, I did not care for Into Darkness, but Star Trek Beyond, I did enjoy that. That felt more. Mm-hmm like the flavor of a trek episode oh because so. they travel mm-hmm. yeah because they yeah, travel exactly. yeah yeah you got to have that go where no one has ever gone before otherwise it's not star trek yeah star yeah. trek is not really about fighting a big bad and and, and battles mm-hmm. you can have that but at its core it's about reflecting the human experience via mm. the future and if you lose sight of that then you lose sight of what makes it so special mm-hmm. well it's a travel log that's it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's awesome. I love that you mentioned um, the Matrix. How do you feel about they're talking about making the remake or the last one? Or there's, there's some news about this reboot situation. Yeah, Hollywood is just stuck in a remake reboot cycle. Um, <laughs> I agree. Yeah, yeah, it's I unfortunate. Found a lot of people who agree with that, but yeah. Oh, a lot of people who are filmmakers definitely agree because it's hard to you know to get original stories made exactly. nowadays. And, you know, and it's really frustrating for me because in my work in The Seventh Matrix, you know, I just want to tell these studio heads, if you want an original idea, then just check out all of these independent filmmakers who mm. they're putting their 
work out on the web because they don't have the resources of a Hollywood studio to get exposure for their work. And yeah. it's mind-blowing concepts that look terrific. Um, you would think that you're watching something on Netflix or on broadcast. So it's really come a long way. So that's really frustrating for me when I hear news about, oh, we're going to make, by the way, um, there is a remake of MacGyver. I didn't know that. I'm thinking, really? Oh, wow. Why? Right. <laughs> Seriously? That's kind of a bummer. Everyone's MacGyver he... with a cell phone nowadays. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just don't get it. So now they're saying that the Matrix reboot is really like going to be a prequel uh, about Morpheus, but I, okay. I just kind of want them to leave that franchise alone, especially the first movie, because it's perfect as it is. Yeah. I see what you mean. <laughs> what are you mentioned? Um, you get you get to see a lot of really cool new content and ideas all the time. What are some of the most unusual sci-fi concepts that you've bumped into in the past uh, few months? Oh wow, that's a good question. Okay, well, this really isn't sci-fi; it'd be more like fantasy. But there's a young mm. woman who has created a web series called Misspelled. And think of it mm. like Charmed, but it is a coven of witches of color. And they are going through um, high school, and it's their coming of age story. That's mm. imaginative, and that's something that you really haven't seen on traditional mm. broadcast networks. As a matter of fact, there was talk of them doing a Charmed remake. And I'm thinking, why don't you just do this instead? Um, that's pretty true. Yeah, just hire this girl. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, there is a short film called Credence, and it is by a, a gay film director. It is pretty phenomenal. People can find it on Vimeo, but if you go to theseventhmatrix.com and type in Credence, you'll be able to mm. pull up our review of it. But the premise of it is that there has been some type of, of celestial a uh, accident out mm. in space that's going to eradicate all life on earth mm. and so there are spaceships that are getting ready to depart but the government mm. is selecting people in terms of who they deem is worthy to be saved and it mm. is this gay couple and their daughter and it is a beautiful portrait of a family and the decisions that they have to make in order to make sure that their daughter gets a slot on this ship is beautiful. Wow. And it's called Credence. And, and I implore um, all of your listeners and viewers to check it out. It's worth it. Hmm. All right. Um, so last question sure. um, for, you kind of already delved into this a little bit, but specifically for racial representation, mm -hmm. um, your top representative sci-fi films recently. Give our reader, our listeners, uh, some of those so they can check out because you're just a great resource. Wow. Okay. Um, now, when you say films, do you mean mainstream films, or can I can I include television? <laughs> can I? Choose I one? think it's awesome if you include television, <laughs> short films, things that you think our readers should check or viewers, listeners, our people should check out um, okay. that have that are like sci-fi with like good racial representation. Oh, sure. Um, well, for mainstream on television, definitely check out The Expanse. Um, it is very diverse, and that's true to the books. And it's also mm. just a fantastic series. I think it's the best overall sci-fi series that the channel has had since the reimagined Battlestar Galactica. So all mm, of the yeah. acclaim, it deserves it. So definitely that. Absolutely. Um, let's see. There is a lesbian-themed fantasy the creator 
she herself dubbed it the Lord of the Rings with girls at the center. And its web series is called Dagger Kiss. Definitely check that out. Mm. It's well made. Um, the protagonists are just very nuanced and complex. And it is essentially, like she said, it's like a Lord of the Rings, but it's featuring women. Uh, and again, that's called Dagger Kiss. So that's another. Let me think. Um, oh, yeah. There's a brand new web series from Great Britain called The Few. And it is about the rise, think of it like a heroes, but it's set and filmed in Great Britain. And it has a great diverse cast and it just launched several weeks ago. So it's brand spanking new YouTube. And again, we have our review on the seventh matrix uh, about that production and the stars. Britain's been real good lately about diverse casting. I think they, they were kind of ahead of the U S in that. Absolutely. The, the Which BAFTA I think was, might have to do. Oh, yeah. 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 The, the BAFTA, their, uh, which is, I guess, their version of the Oscars. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, they have new guidelines about diversity, right? And so in order to win a BAFTA, you have to, like, meet these diversity guidelines now. Oh, that's great. Oh, yeah, they need that. to implement something like that over here. Orphan Black. That's another one that um, yeah, I great. think is tremendous. And Tatiana Maslany is, that woman is unreal. So talented. <laughs> yeah, she deserved that Emmy. It was a long time coming, so. All right. Sam, did you have any additional questions? Thank you so much, by the way, Rod. Oh, no, thank you all for having me. It's been fun. No additional questions. Since we're spitting out uh, content, I guess. Sure. Um, you, Rod, should check out some awesome stuff coming out of Cleveland, some sci-fi. Okay. Um, there's there's a fan, uh, a Doctor Who fan series called Trace okay. by this uh, this production studio in Cleveland. And it's actually really good stuff if you're uh, any Whovians out there. Yeah, I'm a Doctor and, Who fan. <laughs> yeah, I have a friend um, also producing this really cool dystopian post-apocalyptic sci-fi called Five Feet. And it's about um, wow. a world where a virus has taken over. And if you're within five feet of another human being, you die. Oh, right? wow. Okay. So, yeah. So what does that do to the human interaction? What does that do to marriages? What does right. that, you know, um, how, what does that do to people's psyche? Right. So everyone's wearing these devices and it tells you when, when you're within 15 feet of another person and 10 feet. And it's just really cool. Wow. Um, they're working on a pilot for that. I wish I could send you guys a link, but they're not done editing it yet. So that's really cool. Be on the lookout for that. Yeah, Is please that the one me a mind because I would love to cover them and maybe even interview um, the creators if they're, if they're open Absolutely. to that. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. I'm sure they would be. I'll definitely, I'll put you in touch. <laughs> okay, great, great. That sounds great. Oh, um, Jen, to your previous question, I just thought of another short film that came out. It's called Dust. And we also have a review of it on the website, on the Seventh Matrix. But it is um, Asian-influenced. It's not really sci-fi, but it's fantasy. But the production value is astonishing. They actually filmed in Japan. And the cast is uh, Japanese. It's gorgeous. And so if anyone is interested, um, I don't know if you all heard the term of silk punk, but it's got that kind of... yes. Yeah, wow. it's got flavor to it. It is one of the most beautiful short films I've seen since I've been doing this, and it's called Dust. Oh, that's awesome! I'll have to check that out. I really like all the all the things with the appendage, like punk, like sandal punk, silk punk. You, like steampunk. I'm okay with steampunk, but all those kind of things. Those are like, oh, that's I'll have to check that out. Thank you, thank you yeah, very no much. Problem. 
know, that just that came to mind. So you also have a book that you are selling on your website, right? Um, yes. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about that and how they can get that? And then we'll put a link in the below the podcast. Okay, thank you so much. That's so kind. Well, um, when I created The Seventh Matrix, one of the things that I was insistent upon was that the site never have any advertising. And that is because I'm not judging other sites to do. I know that's how they make money. But mm-hmm. for me... I'm, I think we're being oversold and online, we are constantly bombarded with ads. So I thought, well, it, it's going to be a hard go. I'm going to have to garner reader support, but it's worth it. And one of the things that I decided to do a couple of years ago was I decided to kind of look over all of the short films that I've covered and select 200. Now that tells you how many I've seen. <laughs> so many. Yeah, of the very best. And it says sci-fi, but it's sci-fi and genre. That should be a better title for it. But it's 200 of these exceptional short films. They're less than, I think the longest one is 35 minutes in length. And it's a central resources, all condensed into a 42-page PDF document. And if you're on your tablet, your phone, or if you're at home, anywhere you are, you can select these short films and enjoy them. Um, on the go, or again, if you're at home. But it's called 200 Best Online Sci-Fi Short Films, and I decided to go ahead and set the price that you can name your own price, anything over a dollar. So whatever you think the value is, then you can obtain this guide. And I did that because I wanted it to be as accessible to as many people as possible. Because these filmmakers really need as much exposure and yeah, that that just kind of helps. So, yeah, it's on my website, and and thank you for putting the link to it in in your show notes. Well, I mean, we think it's a great resource. We like to talk a lot about romance, right? But we have a big following that's a very like geeks in love, right? And yeah. it's like this is a good thing for like date ideas. You can sit down, you can be like, hey, tonight we're gonna watch this short film and cuddle and eat this, <laughs> right? Yeah. And you have like you have two hundred, so that'll last you for a very very long time. It's great for a date night, or if you are um, commuting to and from work, or con season is upon us almost. So if you're standing in line in one of those extra long lines at either New York Comic Con or San Diego Comic Con, you can pull it up and enjoy a couple of movies and help maybe even pass the time. So that's why I created it. I wanted it to be as convenient as possible. Yeah, I mean, that's awesome. And cons, that's awesome. another like thing we've talked about is like, oh, that's a fun date idea for like geeky listeners is like you go you go together and you hang out together throughout the whole thing. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. We, we love that. <laughs> Oh, and I meant so, to say, too, I love the premise of uh, of uh, I'm having an affair with my wife. I think that's genius. I can't wait to see it. We're really excited. We're excited. About it. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, it's one of those. It's like, damn, why didn't I? Th- oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know if I could curse. But, um, <laughs> you said worse. <laughs> but, you know, it's one of those like, why didn't I think of that? That's brilliant. So, yeah, I wish you much success with that. And I can't wait to see it. Well, thank you. We just um, announced the casting for our female lead, and today and tomorrow we're going to do more announcements about them because our male lead is also locked down, um, and we're we're excited about both of them. Stacy Malone is a 
filmmaker actually in Ohio where Sam is, um, and she's going to end up being our lead for LaShonda. And she is gorgeous, and she's a smart. She's smart and entrepreneurial, and so we're we're going to have an interview with her actually um, that'll post on 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 Wednesday or Friday. It's going to post soon. So <laughs> okay, so, I'll yeah. Be yeah, I'll definitely be looking for it. Well, thank you. Um, thank you very much for coming on the show with us and hanging out and talking about sci-fi. This has been super fun. Oh, you guys are awesome. terrific. Thanks, Thanks for, for having me. This has been so much fun. I really enjoyed it. Well, thank you. All right. Take care, ladies. Bye.